Hey everyone, my name's Michael, and this is not the Trophy Review Podcast. I have decided to branch out and talk about other topics as well. I still very much love trophies, I love trophy lists, and I will continue trophy reviews in the future, but I have decided to kind of talk about more of what I love. I'm not just a trophy hunter, I love video games in general, and I love playing video games and more importantly for this podcast, talking about them. Uh, so I've decided to broaden my horizons and talk about basically anything and everything under the video game sun. So this week we're actually going to be talking about my other gaming passion. I have like a thousand of them, so you'll hear about all of them. Nintendo. This past week, Sora was revealed for Smash Bros. Ultimate. Sora is finally here, and with him comes the ending of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. A very bittersweet ending. Uh, Sora is a great addition. I think so many people wanted him, and seeing how happy he's made so many people is awesome. That also unfortunately means that's the end of the Fighter's Pass. The end of the second Fighter's Pass. Um, yeah. DLC for Smash Bros. Ultimate has concluded, so we won't see Smash Bros. for a while. Maybe ever. I think we'll probably see it again. Nintendo likes that sweet, sweet dollar, and Smash Bros. makes a lot of money, um, so we will probably see Super Smash Bros. again, but Smash Bros. Ultimate is over. That got me thinking. Masahiro Sakurai said in the Sakurai Presents that you could have gone from elementary school all the way through middle school in the time that he's been developing Super Smash Bros. If you don't know what that means, he's been developing Smash Bros. since around 2012-ish. When he started with Smash 4, or Smash Bros. for Wii U and Smash Bros. for 3DS, that continued all the way through development to Smash Ultimate, which just ended recently. I was thinking, that's a long time. A lot has changed in the world, but how much has changed at Nintendo? Smash Bros. has been developed for the better part of nine years, so how much really could have changed for that? And I started to do some research, and as it turns out, quite a lot. Nintendo is not the company it was in 2011. That's the year I'll be basing it off of, since it's hard to find a pinned-down date for when Smash Bros., uh, for Wii U and 3DS began development, but most people agree that it was after the finishing of Sakurai's previous project, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So right off the bat, I want to talk about very big changes at Nintendo. Two presidents of Nintendo are not there anymore. So Satoru Iwata has sadly since passed away. He was the former president of Nintendo, and Shuntaro Furukawa, I'm sorry if I completely butchered that name, is now the current president of Nintendo. Um, so Satoru Iwata was a force in the gaming industry. A lot of people like to say that Nintendo was better off under Satoru Iwata. I'm not here to make judgments like that. I'm just here to tell you that, unfortunately, Satoru Iwata had, has passed away, I think it was in 2014? Or 2015, I believe. I believe it was in 2015. So Nintendo in Japan now has a different uh, president. And not only that, Nintendo of America also has a different president. 
a couple years ago, Reggie Fizeme uh, has since retired from his role as pre- president of Nintendo of America. And Doug Bowser, yes, his real last name is Bowser, is now president of Nintendo of America. Uh, but he was not with the company in 2011. I believe he joined in late 2015. But that's the uh, structural side of things. That's the uh, personnel side of things, I should say. Within Nintendo itself, 2011 and 2012 was a bit of a transition for them. They were saying goodbye to the DS and the Wii and transitioning transitioning to the 3DS and the Wii U, respectively. So the 3DS launched in early 2011, and it encountered some early struggles. Uh, If you know much about the 3DS, you'll know that they had to drop the price in order for people to really take interest in it, and they rewarded those who bought the system before the price drop with 10, I believe, uh, virtual console games. I think there was a mixture of Game Boy, Advan- Game Boy Advance, NES, and SNES games. But to talk about what the system launched with, you'll see why it kind of struggled early on. Its two main launch titles were Nintendogs Plus Cats and Pilot Wings Resort. Nintendogs Plus Cats is a very great casual game. People love dogs, people love cats. But it's not a system seller, it's not going to drive systems. And no offense to Pilot Wings Resort, people loved Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, and Pilot Wings is a huge part of Nintendo's past. That's also not going to shift consoles. But later on in the year, Ocarina of Time 3D uh, came out, which is a remaster, remake of Ocarina of Time, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which was a very good showcase of what 3D could be, but it came at the cost of over-reliance on older titles, Nintendo's back catalog, other companies' back catalog, and that's most prevalent in the 3D Classics line of games, which would take older games and reimagine them with changes based on the 3D slider on the 3DS. And it begged the question, hey, Nintendo, why are you relying so much on your old titles? We want to see what you can do with this. What What is the 3DS capable of that, you know, isn't old games? We know this thing can run old games. These old games can run on basically anything these days. And it was really weird to see why they were relying on old titles. You know, Nintendogs plus cats is just Nintendogs again with a few more breeds and with cats this time. So what 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 can you show me that's new? Why justify your 3D? And they tried their best with Super Mario 3D Land. Super Mario 3D Land was really the coming out party for this system of, hey, this is what 3D can do. It's not necessary all the time, but when it is necessary, this is what it can do. So Super Mario 3D Land really took advantage of the 3D in a way that the problem of needing 3D in games didn't exist, but Nintendo created that problem and solved it in some pretty unique ways. Nintendo always likes to look at things 
from a very weird point of view. Did the video game industry necessarily need motion controls? Mm, you could take them or leave them, but they said, what if we wanted to control games through motion? And they created the Wii. What if we wanted a portable handheld hybrid of home console portable? They created that problem and solved it perfectly with the Switch. They don't always solve things perfectly. We'll talk about the Wii U here in a little bit, but they created the problem of needing 3D in games and solving it, I would say, basically to perfection in Super Mario 3D World. If you wanted to play the game without 3D, you could do that, but if you wanted to play it with 3D, I think it really enhanced the experience. So there would be some like optical illusion puzzles that you bump up the slider, oh, that's clear to me now where this star coin is. That's clear to me now where this enemy is. They tried a little bit too hard. They had cardboard cutouts of Goombas, like they were supposed to trick the player, but I don't think that really worked. But that's that's okay. They also released the virtual console on the Nintendo 3DS, which, you know, comes with all those old back catalogs of games that they're selling to you again for like $5. <laughs> We'll talk about where the Virtual Console has gone since um, the 3DS, but that's a topic for a bit later, but I personally think that we don't need a Virtual Console anymore. I don't want to keep buying old games, but we'll talk about that later. And lastly, um, kind of wrapping up the first year of the Nintendo 3DS is Kid Icarus Uprising. Now that's important for Super Smash Bros. development. If you don't know, Masahiro Sakurai, uh, led the development on Kid Icarus Uprising, and that was his last major project before starting development on Smash Bros. for about nine years. So that was the 3DS. We'll talk about it a little bit more later, but now I want to move on to Swan Songing the Wii, Sunsetting the Wii. The Wii would stick around for still a few years, but really Nintendo's publishing efforts with the Wii was start, we're starting to wind down in 2011. So some Nintendo published games were Rhythm Heaven and Fever, um, Just Dance Wii, Kirby's Return to Dreamland, and the big one, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. But that just released again this year. Maybe not a lot has changed for Nintendo after all. Anyway, Mario Party 9! I'm pretty sure this was the beginning of, like, a downward trend for Mario Party. Uh, I might be wrong. Maybe it was Mario Party 10 that started a downward trend where everybody was in the same car and it really wasn't Mario Party anymore. So that was Nintendo's Wii offerings for 2011 into the early part of 2012. So, really, their involvement with the Wii kind of slowed down. They were transitioning to making games for the Wii U that was yet unannounced, but come E3 2011, they will announce it. So speaking of E3, E3 2011, they really focused on Zelda. It was the Zelda 25th anniversary. We're now at the 35th anniversary with five major games in between. We've had three remasters with Skyward Sword HD, Wind Waker HD, and Twilight Princess HD. So... Those three games have been remastered, put, two put onto the Wii U and one put onto the Nintendo Switch. We have one remake in the Link's Awakening remake for the Nintendo Switch, and we have one completely original game, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, with a sequel in development, hopefully coming out in 2022. I think we'll see that in 2023. 
And there were a few spinoffs. There was uh, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, there was uh, Hyrule Warriors, and there was Cadence of Hyrule. There were probably a few more, but those are the ones I can think of right now. We also had Luigi's Mansion 2 announced, so that was a their 3DS offerings. So Luigi's Mansion 2, later renamed Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. And now we have three Luigi's Mansions. So two Luigi's Mansions have launched in the time that Super Smash Bros. was not in development to now when Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was not in development. So from 2011 to 2021. Next up announced was Mario Kart 7. Somehow there's only been one Mario Kart since. We've gone through three consoles, the 3DS, the Wii U, and now the Switch, and there's only been one Mario Kart? That's insane to me. I mean, there's also been Mario Kart Tour, but we don't talk about that game because that game is not a Mario Kart game. It's it's like an endless runner, but in a kart. It's weird. I don't like it. So technically, there has been a re-release of Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch, but really, realistically, that's the same game. They added like splashes of content here and there, but nothing too major. And finally, the grand announcement for the show, the Wii U! What is this thing? I need the gamepad, and I'm looking at the gamepad, and I'm looking up at the screen, and I'm looking up and down. Nintendo, is this an accessory to the Wii? Is Can I use my Wii U gamepad on my Wii? Oh, I still use Wii remotes on the Wii U? That's cool because I have Wii remotes because everybody has Wii remotes, but I need to get a new console and this thing can do HD, I think, but the screen on the gamepad isn't HD. Nintendo, what is this? Why are you selling me a tablet? I don't want a tablet. I want a video game console. I want to play Mario in HD, but I can play Mario in HD. I don't understand this thing. (laughs) So the Wii U was announced to mixed reception. I think that's probably valid to say. Mixed reception. Yeah, the Wii U really exemplified the struggle of Nintendo in the 2011 to 2016, 2017 era. You know, the Wii was a huge, phenomenal success, but it captured a casual market. The same thing with the Nintendo DS. You had two casual systems at a time, two of the best-selling consoles of all time, but they were the best-selling consoles of all time because they were casual systems. Something like the PlayStation 4, while there is casual offerings, it really speaks more to the hardcore gaming audience. I'm, I don't like using the phrase hardcore gaming audience, But I can't really, I don't know, I can't think of another phrase. So if you think of another phrase, let me know. I I, I don't like calling it casual and hardcore, but maybe like casual and more core gaming audience. Maybe that's a better one. Not hardcore, but just core gaming audience. But Nintendo was in a stage of, okay, well, we were number one. we, We were floating around number one in the last console generation. So what do we do to get more people in? We've got that casual audience, but we really don't have that core base. So they made an HD console and based it off of a gimmick, which the Wii was already arguably a gimmick system with the motion controls. 
the Wii U even more so. So they tried to get a more casual audience, a more core audience, and ultimately they failed. The Wii U didn't sell very well. I think it only sold around 13 million units, which you might be thinking, that sounds like a lot. If you don't know video game consoles, that unfortunately isn't very many. Uh, to give you a reference, the Switch has sold upwards of 80 million uh, consoles, so a lot better. And the Wii U ran for about 20, we'll say the Wii U lifespan was 2012 to 2017 when the Switch came out. The Switch launched in 2017 and has been going for about five years now, um, and it sold 80 million. So Satoru Iwata described their strategy as going wide and going deep. They wanted to cast a deep net for the core gaming audience. So some core games like things like Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, EA games, uh, well, not EA sports games, just EA games, while having a wide array of games to capture a more casual audience. So this would be things like EA sports titles or uh, more family-friendly games. So a more casual audience with uh, Nintendo Land, which was actually a very great game. Nintendo Land was a great um hardware showcase i guess of what the wii u can do what if they emulated nintendo land and all the other wii u games that they made that would have been perfect so some guys tried this like Star Fox zero where the gamepad showed a cockpit view and the screen showed a third person view and you would aim with you had to aim with the cockpit view but there was a reticle on the third person view that was off it was very weird uh, they, I don't know why they did that. Why even add the reticle on the third person view if you look down and that's the actual aiming? I don't get it. Nintendo, oh, you're very weird. Like the people at Kind of Funny say, it is a WND, a weird Nintendo decision. They've made so many of those over the years and it just never gets any easier to understand their business practices. It's very confusing. Anyway, the Wii U ultimately failed, sputtered out, and didn't perform very well. But then the Nintendo Switch came in and revitalized things. People were starting to think, is this the end for Nintendo? Are they going to be out of the console making race? Are they going to be third party? But no, the Nintendo Switch came in and basically set the market on fire, has led so many months in sales, it's insane. The Nintendo Switch is an amazing success story. Speaking of success stories, now let's go back to talk about the Wii. Uh, this is going to be a little segment on hardware revisions. So the Wii had three models. They had the original Wii, which when you picture the Wii, you picture that white console on that gray base standing up. That was the original Wii. Then there was the Wii Family Edition, which I don't think many people actually know much about the Wii Family Edition. It was like a regular Wii. It didn't have GameCube support, but it was laid down. You could lay your uh, original Nintendo Wii down, but most people, I think, had it standing up. It would lay down and kind of insert almost like a DVD player. It's kind of actually, now that I think about it, like the Wii U on its, like, on its side. The Wii U can also stand up, but it looks a little unnatural. It's kind of like a predecessor to the design for the Wii U, the more I think about it. If you don't know what it looks like, just Google um, Nintendo Wii Family Edition and you'll see this. 
And the last one was the unbelievably ugly Wii Mini, which was like a black console with red trim and I hate the way it looks. Nintendo, why why did you why why did you do this to your beautiful Wii? The be- the Wii was a beautiful sleek system and it was just so nice and there was nothing wrong with it. They came out with other colors. There was black, there was blue. I think there was I think there was red. I think they already did red. But like why did you come out with a black box that has like it has a power button in the corner and then the other side it has an eject button for the game and it just it's ugly why nintendo it's so ugly and i think it was a top loading console too like i don't like it i don't like it anyway moving on from that we have the 3ds which had too many it had too many hardware revisions there were six variations of the of the nintendo 3ds there was the 3ds original there was the 3ds xl there was the new Nintendo 3DS, which had Amiibo support and a C-Stick. There was the new Nintendo 3DS XL, which was the new Nintendo 3DS that had Amiibo support and the C-Stick, but bigger. There was the Nintendo 2DS, which was a like a block of cheese. I, I'm serious, it looks like a doorstop. It's like a weird like cone pyramid type design, like a wedge. It was really weird. And there was the Nintendo 2DS XL, which was the Nintendo th- new Nintendo 3DS XL, but without the 3D support. Nintendo. You didn't do this with the Switch, but please stop using new. I- I'm banning you from using the word new. Once something is like two years old, it's no longer new, especially if you keep releasing hardware revisions the new nintendo 3ds xl is no longer the new nintendo 3ds xl because you released the new nintendo 2ds xl why please stop using the word new also while we're here a 2ds is just a regular ds i understand there's hardware changes internally but the 2ds was basically already a thing. You have dual screens and it only plays in 2D. That's your Nintendo DS. That's your DS, that's your DS Lite, and that's your DSi. A Nintendo 2DS is not a 3DS, but it is a 3DS. Just find a different name. Just find a different name, Nintendo. I'm sure you could do it. You're very bad at naming things sometimes, but like you're doing fine now. So why couldn't you do fine like five years ago? Anyway, moving on. The Nintendo Switch, as of 2021, has three versions. We have the original Nintendo Switch, which is your base model that docks, undocks, handheld, portable, uh, home console system. Then we have the Nintendo Switch Lite, which is portable only. There is no place to dock it because it doesn't come with a dock, and it's a bit smaller. And Joy-Con drift is an unbelievable issue, so if that ever happens on your Nintendo Switch Lite, have fun sending your whole console to Nintendo. That's why I'm never buying a Nintendo Switch Lite, because I don't want to send my whole console to Nintendo when it breaks. 
And actually coming out today, October 8th, which is when I'm recording this, is the Nintendo Switch OLED edition or OLED edition. Uh, so happy Nintendo Switch OLED edition and Metroid Dread launch day, everybody. You'll probably be listening to this well after it comes out. I hope to have this posted by the 9th, but some of you might not find this for years, and that's okay. So since Smash Bros. has not been in development, the Wii has three models, the 3DS has six models, and the Nintendo Switch has three models. I don't know if you want to count the OLED OLED edition. It was announced before Smash Ultimate wrapped up, but Sora isn't technically out yet either. He comes out in 10 days and the OLED is out. So if you want to count it, you can count it. If you don't want to count it, you don't have to count it. But now we're moving on to a few miscellaneous changes. So like I said earlier, we were going to come back to the Virtual Console. The Virtual Console is no more. It's gone. It is not available on the Nintendo Switch. Off the menu. But in its place is Nintendo Switch Online, which is 20 bucks a year. Uh, unfortunately, no word on the expansion pass pricing yet for a lineup of SNES and NES games. I personally enjoy this better. I don't want to shell out $5 every time I want to play Super Mario Bros. It's probably, it was probably about $3, but every time I want to play that game on a different hardware, I don't want to keep shelling out money. So if I can get an online service that, I mean, Nintendo Switch Online isn't great. The connections in some of the games are terrible, but if I can get something that allows me to play online and allows me to play a whole library of games I've never played before, I would rather play once a year to do that, $20. And obviously over time, it's going to be more expensive, but if you played $20 right now and you wanted to play Super Mario Bros, Super Mario Bros 2, Super Mario Bros 3, Super Mario World, Link to the Past, and the first two Zelda games, I think it would probably cost less to pay $20 for one year than to buy all those games on Virtual Console. That might just be, you know, I might just be making that up. I might be making that, like, I, I don't know the pricing for those games on other consoles, but I think it's a better value, personally. Another miscellaneous change, uh, a new logo. We've gone from gray on a white background to white on a red background. So that the red has really coincided with the Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch is, uh, well, this console isn't red, but its main color is red. So Nintendo has updated their logo to fit that. In a rare um, studio acquisition, earlier this year, earlier in 2021, Nintendo has acquired Next Level Games who have made the last two Luigi Mansions games. So Dark Moon and Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh, this is kind of a big miscellaneous change in the past 10 years. Splatoon didn't exist in 2011. It wasn't even in development. Splatoon didn't start development until 2013. So two Smash Bros. games have come out in the time that two Splatoon games have come out. And a third one announced. So Splatoon did not exist yet. Smash Bros. started Smash Bros. started development before uh, Splatoon did. Their Smash for Wii U, I should say, started development before Splatoon did. 
and Smash Ultimate ended before Splatoon 3 has come out. So Splatoon 1 and 2 have both come out in the time that Smash was not in development to like starting development to end of development. And the last one I put in for the memes, uh, a Mario movie is in development, coming out in the winter of 2022 with Chris Pratt as our leading plumber himself, Mario, which is very weird. And to kind of tie things up here, how has Smash changed since it was last not in development, which is very weird to say. So I'll just say since uh, development for Wii U started to the end of Smash Ultimate. How has it changed? Brawl, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, had a roster of 36. Uh, Wii U and 3DS had a roster of 58, including all the DLC. And Ultimate has a roster of 86 or 89, depending how you count it. I think it's 89 if you count Pyra and Mithra separate and Pokemon Trainer as separate. I think that's how that shakes out. Uh... Bandai Namco has helped develop Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate. Before that, uh, Sakurai's company Sora uh, and Nintendo worked on Brawl. From Smash 4 to Ultimate, it was one continuous transition. Sakurai has stated a few times in the past that they started uh, planning for Smash 4, to development for Smash 4, to the DLC for Smash 4, to planning for Ultimate, development for Ultimate, DLC for Ultimate. And they've got a lot done in that past nine years. Three games. So I keep saying two games, but it's actually three games since it's Wii U, 3DS, and Ultimate. So three Smash games. A lot of people like to group Smash Wii U and Smash for 3DS together, but realistically, they're two separate games. And Ultimate. Uh, yeah, and that's some major changes for Nintendo in the past 10 years. There've obviously been a few like other miscellaneous changes. Like you didn't used to have to pay for an online service to play online with Nintendo. Now you do. Uh, it should be noted that the Wii U being it's Nintendo's first HD system is actually a big deal. Uh, I really didn't uh, talk about that too much because HD in gaming is such a, you know, it's the standard now. So it's really hard to say, hey, Nintendo's Wii U was an HD system because the Xbox 360 and the PS3 were already HD systems. The Switch being a home console and portable hybrid is also a big deal. When that was announced, people were going crazy. Uh, another small miscellaneous change I can think of is Nintendo, for the first time ever, took out a Super Bowl ad in 2017 to uh, promote the Switch. I believe that played during halftime, I think. Uh, what else has changed in the past 10 years for Nintendo? You know, they have their big games that have come out. Mario Odyssey. Uh, they're still doing new Super Mario Bros. <laughs> Please, Nintendo, stop using new. I beg of you. So those are some major changes from Nintendo in the past 10 years. So the last time that Smash Bros. was not in development to the current time where Smash Bros. is not in development, that we know of. I really hope it's not. Masahiro Sakurai, please take a break. 
you and your team have done so much. Everybody on the Smash team, please go take a nice long vacation. You guys really deserve it. I'm so happy with the past three games that we've gotten. They've given me so many hours of memories. So please take a break. And right now, I'm going to wrap things up by talking about some of my personal highlights with Smash Bros. What I really enjoyed from the last few games. So starting with Smash 4, I was so unbelievably excited when Duck Hunt was announced. I have no idea why. I never played Duck Hunt, Duck Hunt before, but I was really excited to see them announced. It was great to see Pac-Man and Mega Man join the battle. It was a weird time for me because this is when I was really growing as a lover of video game history. You know, this is when I started to appreciate the old consoles more. And around this time, I got an NES and played some old NES games. So when Duck Hunt was announced, I had not played Duck Hunt before. But when I got my NES, I fired up an old CRT TV and decided to play Duck Hunt. If you don't know, uh, you can't play Duck Hunt on anything else but a CRT TV because of the way the, uh, I think it's the refresh rate of the TV that's different. Uh, my main in Smash 4 was Lucina, and to a lesser extent, Marth. I like to play Lucina a bit more because she was a bit easier to play and I wasn't very good at Smash. I'm still not very good at Smash, but yeah, I uh, like to play as Lucina. And then with Smash Ultimate's announcement, I distinctly remember when it was announced, there was a Nintendo Direct going on when I believe I was going to a high school play with my uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my fiance. Um, that's what's changed for me in, in the time since Smash was not in development. I got engaged. Yeah. So, yay. I love you. <laughs> um... So some highlights was uh, the announcement of Smash Ultimate and seeing so many people trip on themselves saying, it's just a port. It's just a port. There's no way that this could be a brand new Smash game, even though they're adding Inkling. And I'm like, what? How? What? But that announcement was very cool. Uh, I remember Isabel being announced for Smash Bros. I was sitting in my dorm room at college. Another big change for me. I have... I have gone through the Sakurai, hey, when Smash when Smash for 3DS and Wii U were in development, I was in middle school, and I have since graduated college in that time. Uh, yes, I remember Isabel being announced, and then immediately followed up was the announcement of Animal Crossing New Horizons, which has since launched. Um, I guess the real big highlight for me was the announcement of Banjo and Kazooie making it making it in to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, E3 2019, there were rumors that Hero from Dragon Quest and Banjo Kazooie were both going to be announced. I was expecting only one Smash announcement, like a naive little child, and they announced Hero from Dragon's Quest, and I was like, okay, I've never played a Dragon's Quest game, but this is going to make a lot of people happy. And then at the end of the presentation, before they announced the sequel to Breath of the Wild, they announced Banjo-Kazooie for Smash Bros. Ultimate. I picked my laptop up and I ran across my house screaming, Banjo! <laughs> um, the announcement of Terry was also cool. 
really the broadening of my gaming horizons of what video games were out there that meant so much to people. I never played, I never even heard of Persona before Joker was announced for Smash. And I've tried it, it's not my cup of tea, but people love Persona. And it's really cool to see that people got to love Joker in Smash. I've never really played a Dragon's Quest, but people love it, especially in Japan. Banjo-Kazooie was my little baby. I love collectathons. I love platformers. So Banjo-Kazooie is my little baby. And Terry was from a fighting game I'd never even heard of. I'd, I've played fighting games before. I love Tekken. Kazuya Mishima was a great inclusion for me because my first video game ever was Tekken. I loved playing Tekken with my dad. I still do play Tekken with my dad sometimes. Don't take that the wrong way. Um, yeah, so some of the other highlights, Steve and Mine from Minecraft was a great addition that broke Twitter for a little bit because everyone never nobody expected it. So that was really cool. Min Min from Arms, cool addition. Oh, Byleth uh, made people go insane. I was laughing. Same thing with Piranha Plant. Everybody expected Waluigi and then Piranha Plant showed up and I was just laughing and laughing and laughing. Byleth, I was laughing because of how mad it was going to make people. The announcement of Sephiroth. Oh my goodness, at the Game Awards in 2020. That was a great addition. Sephiroth was a great reveal trailer. That one was great. Pyra and Mithra, I have not played Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, to me, that was probably, I don't want to say my least favorite inclusion because I love every inclusion in Smash Ultimate. But that was probably the one I didn't care about the most. Um, not, to, not to say I didn't play them. I absolutely did, and I loved playing as them. They're a lot of fun. But really, the highlight in the past 10 years of Nintendo, specifically when it comes to Smash, was the inclusion of Banjo-Kazooie. I love Banjo-Kazooie. I love Banjo-Tooie. I tolerate Nuts and Bolts. No, it's a good game, but it's not... a. It's I, How many times do people have to say this? It's not a Banjo-Kazooie game. It's not what I was looking for in a Banjo-Kazooie game. Although it's a very, very interesting game and a very fun game, I would say. A very different type of game. But this is uh, running a bit long. If you've listened to the end, I cannot thank you enough. Uh... I do have one request for you, though. Send this podcast to Greg Miller on Twitter. I want to host Kind of Funny's Nintendo podcast. They don't have a Nintendo podcast, but every time they talk about Nintendo, Greg Miller goes, oh, I don't, I don't, just host a Nintendo podcast. I'll do it. I'll host your Nintendo podcast, Greg Miller. You can take that to the bank. Anyway, I've been Michael. This is a yet-to-be-renamed podcast, and I can't thank you guys enough for listening. This went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. So thanks for sticking it out, guys, and I'll talk to you real soon.